Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Um, I want to start out this morning by asking you to do a little exercise that's going to be, I'm just going to tell you straight up front, it's going to be very unusual. Um, maybe even uncomfortable, and so I'm just going to let you know that ahead of time. I'm going to ask you a question, and we're going to put the question up on the screen. The question is this, where is home for you? And I don't mean like, where's your address? I want you to think about the one place on the planet where you feel most at home. And now here's the unusual thing I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to either close your eyes, or if you feel way too uncomfortable with closing your eyes, Just put your head down and I want you to visualize yourself in that place. Not your street address, but the one place in the world that you feel most at home. So go ahead, close your eyes. I'm going to give you like 30 seconds. And while you're visualizing that, or you can just put your head down if you don't feel comfortable closing your eyes. While you're visualizing yourself in that place, I want you just in this moment to think of the emotions with your eyes still closed, nobody's looking around, head still down. Think of the emotions that you feel in that place. Maybe it's a, a place in your backyard, maybe it's a place in your living room. I don't know where the place is that you feel most at home on this planet, but what are the emotions that come into your mind when you're in that place. Okay, you can look up, you can open your eyes. Does everybody feel really weird at this point? Anybody nervous that somebody was going to do something to them while they had their eyes closed? Raise your hand if you were nervous or a little bit fearful that somebody was going to do. That's why I didn't close my eyes, just so you know. I don't trust any of you in the room, okay? So I just was like, I'm not closing my eyes. I might look down, but I'm definitely not closing my eyes. The place that came to my mind is a tiny little porch. It's a screened-in porch, meaning there's like fly screens all around the porch. And it's on a tiny little lake called Scroon Lake in the Adirondack Mountains of New York. Our family just moved to Australia after having spent 20 years in the States or so. And one of the places we would go to almost every summer, we lived in Texas for a long period of time, and we would move our entire family for three months to the state of New York, not New York City, about three hours north of New York City, to this little town called Scroon Lake. And we spent three months every summer on this tiny little lake running camps and conferences for families. They would come for a week at a time and they would spend a week on the lake at the campground and conference center that I ran. And there was this home on the lake of some of our closest friends and their house backed up to the lake. It was just spectacular. Adirondack Mountains all around the lake. It was the most picturesque picturesque place on the planet. And I would go in the afternoons when I was really tired after working many, many hours at this camp and conference center and there was a couch on this screened-in porch. And I would sometimes go there and just lay down on the couch. And I just felt so at home on this screened-in porch. What are some of the emotions, if anybody's willing to 
like say an emotion that came to their mind when they were thinking about that place that they feel most at home? What are some of the emotions that you feel when you think about that place that you feel most at home in? And maybe you grew up in churches where you weren't allowed to talk in church. You're at a different church, so you don't even have to raise your hand, but I appreciate you being so polite. Just yell it out. What's some of the emotions that you feel when you think of home? Childhood memories, okay? Peace, calm. Anybody over in this section? Safe, you feel safe. Anybody in this section? Love? Well, peace, yeah, tranquility, happy, warm. That's a great one. Okay, this part of the crowd over here, obviously nervous to talk in church. It's okay. Anybody have a, an emotion that they felt connected? Yep, anyone else? Happy? Anyone in this section? Potential? So for our family, and I want to introduce our family to you right now. Our family, we're going to go ahead and bring them up on the screen. Uh, we have three children. Uh, this is my wife, Kristen, in the red shirt. And my daughter, Olivia, on the far right, my son, Miles, in the middle, and the one that's taller than the rest of us is our oldest son, Xavier. And uh, Olivia and Xavier are actually off at a camp in Burley Heads today, uh, but my wife and my youngest son, Miles, are with us this morning. We are actually, right now, for the first time in a long time, maybe the first time in our entire lives, we are homeless. Like, we don't have a home. And we've actually been homeless now for about a month. So... Two, three weeks before we left the U.S., we sold our home and we became homeless. And so we lived in this fairly large home for about two weeks on air mattresses and we had one suitcase each because we knew that's what the limit was on the plane that we were coming over with. And then we arrived here in Australia about 10 days ago and we are homeless right now. So the idea of feeling at home for us right now is kind of a foreign concept for us a little bit. So that's why I had to think back to the Adirondack Mountains of a place where I feel most at home on the planet. The song that Dan and Pete played for us just a moment ago is a song that actually has been just running through my mind for probably the last month or so. There's a, a verse of the song that I wanted to read for you this morning. The verse goes like this, hold on to me as we go, as we roll down this unfamiliar road. Like my youngest son, Miles, and my daughter, Olivia, this week, they went over to North Lakes and they went to this place called the School Locker. Any mums in the room know of the School Locker? You're familiar with that place? For the first time in their entire lives, my 14-year-old and 16-year-old kids put on a school uniform for the first time ever. You talk about an unfamiliar road. Not only are we driving on the other side of the road, which is very unfamiliar for them, but they are doing things for the first time ever in their life that is very unfamiliar and I may even go as far as to say very uncomfortable for them to have to wear a school uniform. My daughter thinks it's the most disgusting thing she's ever put on in her life. I made the comment to her and my son as we checked out that is the most expensive ugly clothing I've ever paid for in my life. And although this wave is stringing us along, Here's kind of the promise I've been making to our kids and my wife. Just know you're not alone because I'm going to make this place your home. As much as home is something familiar to me here in Australia, and people for the last three months when we announced that we were moving back to Australia after spending nearly 20 years living in the United States, they'd come up to me and they'd say, oh, it's so great for you guys to be able to go home. And I would say to them, 
well, we're actually not going home. Like, I'm the only one in our family that's from Australia, and I'm actually the only one that was celebrating in the living room last Sunday night when the Blues beat the Queenslanders, because I just had to mention that. I know it's been a week, and maybe you've forgotten about it, but it, it wasn't really a beating. It was more of a demolishing, let's just be honest about it. So even when they would say to me, you're going home, Jason, I'd say to them, well, it's, it's not really like going home for me. But when I think about home, and as many of you have already mentioned this morning, there are a number of emotions that come to my mind when I think about making this place home for my family. But even more than making this place home for my family, I, I want to see God make this place home for a lot of people in our community. And when I think of home, and as you guys have already mentioned, there's a list of things that I want to bring up on the screen that I think of when I think of home. Home is a place that's comfortable. I think somebody over here said that. Home is a place where you can be yourself. You don't have to put on any pretenses. I could just rock up to that screened-in porch anytime I wanted to. And the people that own that house said, you can just be yourself here, Jason. Take a nap, take your shoes off, make a cup of tea, do whatever you want to do. This place is your home. So you can be yourself. It's a place that's welcoming. It's a place that's familiar. Oftentimes when you go to that place, you know where everything is. You're not looking for things. You know where to go make a cup of tea. You know where the couch is that you want to have a nap on. You know where the key is to get into the house. You know all those things because it's very familiar to you. And then finally, for me, there's a sense of anticipation. When I think of home, if I've been away from home or been away from that place that I feel like is home, for me, thinking about going back to that place comes with a huge sense of anticipation for me. But the crazy thing is, when we think about church, and especially people that don't typically go to church, the things that people think of when they think about church oftentimes are almost the polar opposite of the things that we think about or that we feel when we think of home. In fact, this week, I've talked to a number of people that don't normally go to church. I've done some kind of ad hoc surveys with people that I've been interacting with in the community. And I've been asking them questions like, hey, has church ever been a part of your life? And so they'll say to me, yeah, Jace, I used to go to church when I was a little kid. Or this one guy that I talked to, his grandfather was really involved in church. And so when he was a little kid, anytime he went to his grandparents' house, he would go to church with his grandparents. But when I started asking them questions, multiple people, questions of the feelings or the emotions that came to their mind when they thought about church, it was just ironic to me how they were in such stark contrast to the emotions and the feelings that we think of when we think about home. In fact, these are the things that I heard from people this week that church was uncomfortable. This one guy told me specifically how uncomfortable the pews were in the church that he went to, how hard the wood was, and it literally was physically uncomfortable for him to go to church. Oftentimes when I talk to people, they feel as though when you go to church, unlike home, you have to actually kind of put on a, a face of somebody that maybe is not really who you are. Maybe you are not having a great week, but when you show up at church, all of a sudden everyone's happy, everyone's smiling, everyone acts as if their lives are all put together. And so you show up at church and you feel like, man, in order to fit in here, in order to really be accepted here, I've got to potentially be someone that maybe I'm not really like. 
This next thing is oftentimes this, this guy that I talked to this week, he said not only was it actually uncomfortable, but it, it literally was cold. He talked about how cold the old church building was that he went into when he would go with his grandfather to church. It was an old building that he described, stone building, and he said it was just a cold place. That's what he remembers when he thinks about church. FYI, we, we probably should have told that church to put in some heaters or something so that people wouldn't freeze to death when they came to church. But oftentimes when people think of church, it's not the most welcoming place for them. Oftentimes it's an unfamiliar place, and in fact, I've had many people tell me that the only reason they went to church was out of some sort of duty to somebody else that invited them to go. Like this guy said to me, he wouldn't have gone to church unless his grandfather had dragged him to church. But he went because he wanted to honor his grandfather. He went out of a sense of duty. And oftentimes when I think of church and when I think of places like home, the emotions and the feelings that people describe about those two places couldn't be further from the truth. Couldn't be further from being opposite of each other. So this week, as I was having these conversations, as I was thinking about my family moving to Australia and trying to make this place home for them, there was a question that came to my mind, and the question is simply this. What if Creekside, this church, what if Creekside was a church where everyone felt at home? Didn't matter whether you grew up in church your whole life or maybe this is your first time in church and perhaps today you are here at Creekside for the very first time, maybe first time at church ever and perhaps some of the things that we put up on the screen this morning, you're sitting there going, yes, this does feel very unfamiliar to me. We certainly hope that you don't feel cold in here or that it's uncomfortable. We certainly hope that you feel welcome, but this question kept going through my mind over the week. What if... Creekside was a church where everyone felt at home. Here's the reason why I think people feeling at home at church is such a big deal. It's not just a big deal because we want people to feel at home when they come into the cafe area. or We want them to feel at home when they come into this room and they sit down. It's, it's not a big deal just because we want people just to feel at home in this place geographically. Here's why I think it's such a big deal that people feel at home at Creekside Church. I'm convinced that if people don't feel at home at Creekside Church, then there are much greater things at, at play if they don't feel at home. I think if people don't feel at home at Creekside Church, they may feel as though God is distant. If they don't feel at home at church, then it's quite possible they just don't feel at home with God. And if they don't feel at home at church, then it's possible that for them, faith will just seem irrelevant to them. If I don't feel at home here, then what relevancy does faith have in this Jesus and the Bible and Christianity have in my everyday life? And then at the end of the day, if they don't feel at home here, then I think they're going to start feeling as though church is foreign. This is a problem that the church has dealt with ever since the very beginning. In fact, I want to take you back to the first century this morning, and I want to show you a diagram of where the very first Christians, the very first followers of Jesus, first started having church. Now, to give you some context, back in the first century, right after Jesus was alive here on the earth, 
there were a group of people that began following Jesus. They were predominantly Jewish people because Jesus was Jewish and Jesus was a rabbi. There were Jewish people that began following Jesus' teachings. And so it was predominantly a group of Jewish people that first followed him. After Jesus was crucified and he was buried and three days later he rose again from the dead, those followers of Jesus began to tell other Jewish people about Jesus and about his resurrection. In fact, one of the very first times that that story was talked about is found in the book of Acts, which is a letter that essentially describes what happened right after Jesus rose again from the dead. And a guy named Peter, who was a follower of Jesus, got up and told the story about Jesus being crucified, being buried, and rising again from the dead. And the record shows us that more than 3,000 people began following Jesus and were added to the church. That was the very beginnings of the church. So naturally, because so many of these people were Jewish, they would gather together, not in a building like this, but they would gather together in the temple where Jewish people would go on a regular basis to worship God. And this particular diagram shows the temple at the time of Jesus and right after his resurrection in the city of Jerusalem. And I want to point out a few different parts of the temple to you so you can kind of get an understanding of what it was like for people going to church in the very beginning of the church. On the uh, illustration, you can see a big wall that goes around the entire temple. There was a gate here for people to go in and out of. In the middle of the temple, this center section right here, that center section is the equivalent of about four football fields. So if you took four football fields and laid them out, that's the kind of geographic space in the center of the temple. And then there was big courtyards all around the temple. There was a problem, though, because the temple was designed primarily for Jewish people. So people could come in and out of the gate here, but in order to get into this center part of the temple, you had to not only be Jewish, but you had to, actually had to be a certain type of Jew to get into certain sections of that part of the temple. So all the non-Jewish people that wanted to follow Jesus, they had to stay outside in these court areas called the courts of the Gentiles, and there was space on either side of this center section for them. And then in the middle section, there was a, a court here for women that were Jewish. But if you wanted to get to the holy place where the Jewish people believed that God was actually present in the holy of holies, in the holy place, in order to get close to that area, you couldn't be a woman that was Jewish. You had to be a man, first of all. But then second of all, to get into this section over here, you actually had to be from a group or the tribe of what they called the Levites. So if you weren't a Levite, then you couldn't even get close to that holy of holies in the middle of the temple. You talk about, in the first century, a problem with people and church and feeling welcomed and, and comfortable. It would be kind of like, if you can imagine for a moment, that all of us that are sitting in here, I don't think there are many of us that are probably Jews. I certainly am not a Jew. But it would be as if, when I showed up at Creekside Church this morning... I had to stay out in the car park and I wasn't allowed to come in the gates into the alfresco area here at the cafe. Are there any other people here that are not Jews? Would you raise your hand really quickly if you're not a Jew? Okay, so imagine all of us that came to church this morning being stuck together out in the car park. 
Because that's the court for all of the Gentiles. The non-Jewish people could hang out out there, but God was going to show up and do something special in here, but we weren't allowed into this space. And then imagine if you were a Jew, that you were allowed to come in the gate, but if you were a woman in the first century, then you would be stuck out in the cafe. You wouldn't be allowed to come into this area. You'd be stuck out there because this was just for the Levites. So most of us would be out in the car park. Maybe a couple of ladies would be in the cafe. And maybe a few people would actually get into the auditorium this morning because they were Jewish. But you certainly couldn't get up onto the stage because unless you were a Levite, you weren't allowed onto that part of the temple. So back in the first century, they had a massive problem where people didn't think of church and think of home in the same way. In fact, people felt very isolated from church. People felt very distant from church. And so because of that, you can imagine, people began to feel as though God felt distant. People began to maybe think that faith was irrelevant as well. And perhaps to them, church, what they thought of church, the temple, felt very foreign. Not unlike what, for many people, they think of church today. So Paul, one of the first followers of Jesus, one of the leaders of that early church there in Jerusalem, began to go around all of the then-known world and began starting little churches all over the place. And in Paul, Paul's day, he would go into a city and he would start gathering together these Jesus followers. And guess where they would meet together? They would go to the temple. And they would meet in the temple. And so as people that were non-Jews, Gentiles, started following Jesus, they had these massive issues, massive hurdles that they had to overcome in order for them to feel as though church was a place that they could feel at home. Paul addresses this issue because 30 years after Jesus rose again from the dead, the church was still struggling with this tension of people not feeling welcomed and feeling at home in church simply because they weren't Jewish. Only 30 years after Jesus was alive and after Jesus rose again from the dead, Paul had to address this issue to many churches, but in one particular city, he addressed this issue in the city of Ephesus. And he writes a letter to all of the Christians that were living in the city to address this issue of people not feeling welcomed and people feeling like they were on the outs when it came to church. Paul writes these words to those Christians living in Ephesus. He says this, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. He starts off by kind of asking them to think back. I want you to remember, remember way back when Jesus had just rose again from the dead. Walk with me. He's, he's, Paul's saying, hey, remember back when you first started following Jesus. And because you were Gentiles... Those that were Jewish called themselves the circumcision, and they would call you the uncircumcised. Talk about awful name-calling. Imagine a playground, kids calling each other, hey, you're uncircumcised. It's kind of odd that they would use these labels, okay? But I'm so grateful that in playgrounds today we don't hear that kind of language. But imagine, imagine for a moment that Paul says to one group of people, hey, do you remember back when they were calling you all bogans? Do you remember back when everyone called you a bogan? Because you were uncircumcised and you were kind of unsophisticated 
and you hadn't figured out what following Jesus looked like, some of you are thinking to yourself this morning, actually, I'm kind of proud to be a Bogan. I don't mind people calling me that. But the reality is Paul is addressing this thing that would have been fresh on their minds because we're only talking 20, 30 years. We're not talking decades and generations. We're talking about a group of people who at one time were called uncircumcised by all of the Jewish people and felt as though the temple and the church was not something they had access to. And Paul's trying to get their attention and say, hey, do you remember what it was like back then? If I'm being completely transparent, I think for many church people, myself included, it's really hard for us to go back and remember what it was like before we started following Jesus. Maybe you've been following Jesus for so long. Maybe you grew up in church like I did. And so Paul is trying to get your attention. He's trying to say, hey, Jason, don't you remember what it was like back before you started following Jesus? Don't forget that. Maybe you've been following Jesus so long and maybe you've been going to church so long that it's hard for you to even imagine or remember what life was like before you started following Jesus. How you felt the first time you drove into the parking lot. How you felt the first time you came and sat down in a church. How you felt the first time you came to some place that was completely foreign and unknown to you. Paul's saying, don't forget. Remember what that was like. He goes on and he, he kind of reiterates what he's saying. He says, remember, in the next verse, he says, remember that at that time, you were separated from Christ. You, ex you were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. When you were in that time of your life, you were without hope. You were excluded from all the promises that God had promised to you. And so quickly we forget what it was like before we first started following Jesus. How quickly we forget what it was like before we came to church regularly. Then Paul shares with them the most incredible hope. He says, I want you to remember what it was like back then. Think about what it was like in that time before you started following Jesus. You were without hope. You were without God. You felt like a foreigner. You felt like a stranger. But then remember the hope. He says, but now, but now Christ Jesus, in the next part, he says, but now Christ Jesus, um, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So you remember what it was like before? But now let me remind you, this is why you've been brought near to God. At one time, God felt distant, but now he feels close, not because of anything you did. Paul reminds them, you've been brought close, not because of anything you've done. I don't feel close to God because of anything I've done, but because of the blood of Christ, essentially the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and for me on the cross. That's the reason why we can feel close to God. Paul goes on, he says, for himself, for he himself is our peace, talking about Jesus, who has made the two groups one 
the Gentiles that are stuck out in the car park and the Jews that are in here, Jesus himself, he is the one who has made those two groups one and has destroyed the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility. He goes on, Jesus has, has uh, destroyed this barrier. He's destroyed the dividing wall. His purpose, he goes on to say, that Jesus' purpose, next verse, was to create in himself one new humanity of, out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Paul summarizes for us Jesus' entire purpose of why he even came to the earth here in this one verse. You want to know what Jesus' purpose statement was? You want to know what Jesus was all about while he was here on the earth? It's all summarized in this one verse. He wanted to get rid of all of the barriers. He wanted to get rid of all of the hostility. He wanted to get rid of all of the division between these two groups of people. And there's one word in this verse that I think summarizes what Jesus' purpose was all about. It was simply this. He wanted to reconcile both groups of people to God. Not just the Jewish people that were in the temple, but his whole entire purpose was to reconcile both groups of people, the the Gentiles that were stuck outside, the Jews that were in the temple. He wanted to reconcile both groups to their heavenly father. That's essentially the purpose why Jesus came to the earth. He wanted for all of us, for everybody, to have a right relationship with God. A relationship that's been broken because we don't live up to God's standards. We've sinned. And so because of that, we don't have a relationship with this God that loves us and cares about us. And so Jesus came as a way to reconcile all of humanity. Not just Jewish people, not just Gentiles. Paul is reminding them he came so that both groups of people could be made one and could be reconciled to their heavenly father. Paul describes how Jesus did this. He said he came to preach peace to those that were far away and to preach peace to those that were near. For through him, now both groups have access to the father by one spirit. Paul finishes up. He kind of wraps his his thought up with this simple phrase. He says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Consequently, consequently, because of everything that Jesus did, all of us, whether you've been going to church your whole life or this is your first time in church, because of everything that Jesus did, Consequently, because of everything he did, he's made it possible so that all of us can be members of his household. It's almost as if Paul is saying it this way. Remember back to the very beginning of the talk this morning, I asked you to imagine where you feel most at home in the world. Put yourself in that place and all of the emotions and all of the feelings that came to your mind during that moment. Paul's saying, Jesus has come so that everybody can feel that same way that you felt just a moment ago with their Heavenly Father. When they think of God, they don't have to think of God as being distant. For so many people, they feel like God is distant. When they think of faith, They think of it as being irrelevant, but 
Paul's saying, no, you, you don't have to think of faith and God as being irrelevant or distant in your life. And when it comes to church, you don't have to feel as though church is something that's foreign to you. Jesus made a way for all of us, no matter what our background is, to feel at home with our Heavenly Father. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to reconcile both groups of people, Jews and Gentiles. Doesn't matter if you've got some spiritual background or you have no spiritual background at all. He came to reconcile both groups of people so that perhaps over time, as you begin a relationship with Jesus, as you begin a relationship with God, all of the sudden, maybe God would start to feel as though he's close. He could feel not distant anymore, but God could feel close to you. And perhaps faith all of the sudden becomes helpful. Faith isn't something that you think of as being irrelevant, has nothing to do with your everyday life, but all of the sudden your faith in Jesus and your relationship with this God that feels close actually makes faith helpful in your daily life. And then finally, I think that as you begin a relationship with God, you can start to feel as though church feels like home. You don't feel like you're stuck out in the car park because you're not allowed into the gates. You're certainly not allowed into the auditorium. But church can actually start to feel like home. My hope, my dream, kind of my long-term vision for Creekside is pretty simple. At Creekside, we want everyone to feel at home. Doesn't matter if you're Jewish or you're a Gentile. Doesn't matter if you're a Bogan, you're a hipster. Doesn't matter if you've been to church your whole life or this is the very first time you've ever showed up. My hope is that at Creekside, everyone would feel at home because I'm convinced that if people begin to feel at home, they might begin to experience that God is no longer distant, but that God can be close. That faith is no longer irrelevant, but faith can actually be helpful. That church doesn't feel unwelcoming or unfamiliar, but church actually feels like a place that is home for them. Our vision, our mission here at Creekside is super simple. We just want to be people helping people discover Jesus and follow him fearlessly. It's really simple. We just want to be a group of people that are helping other people, no matter where we are in our journey, discover who Jesus is and then to follow him fearlessly. He invites us to live fearless lives and to follow him fearlessly. And so today, I don't know where you're at in your journey with Jesus. Maybe you're here for the very first time and you don't typically go to church, but for some reason, somebody dragged you to church today, and maybe you would say the chairs feel a little uncomfortable as well, and maybe it's felt cold in here to you. I don't know what your experience is like. But maybe something has piqued your interest today. I want to invite you to do, do just one thing this week, just one simple thing. It's a prayer that I want to invite you to pray maybe once a day for the next seven days. And the prayer is simply this, God, help me find the home you have for me. Maybe you've never prayed to God ever in your life. And perhaps you're even wondering if there even is a God 
And so the idea of praying a prayer to a God you're not even sure exists is a very foreign concept to you. Maybe that's the case for you. I want to dare you to just pray this prayer just for one week. Once a day, maybe start your day with this simple prayer. Hey, God, not even sure if you're there or not, but if you are there, God, would you help me find the home you have for me? Everybody wants to feel at home. Everybody wants those feelings of feeling like they're at home. And so I just challenge you, I encourage you, I dare you, pray this simple prayer this week. God, if you're there, would you help me to find the home you have for me? I would say the majority of the people in this room, I don't know many of you, I don't know your stories, but my assumption is that because you came to church this morning on a beautiful Sunday when you could have picked many other things to be doing than sitting in a room like this for an hour listening to me, my assumption is this, that perhaps you already are a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've already been following God and maybe you feel at home when you think of church and maybe you feel at home when you think of your relationship with God. Here's the prayer I want you to pray this week. It's a simple prayer. I simply want to invite you to pray and ask God, God, what part can I play in creating a home for everyone at Creekside? Maybe each morning when you wake up this week, just simply pray and ask God, God, there are a lot of people in our community who don't feel at home when it comes to church. God, what part do you want me to play in helping to create a home for everyone at Creekside? I don't know what the answer to that is. God knows what it is for you. But my hope, my prayer is that you would at least ask God, God, what part do you want me to play? What part can I play in creating a home for everyone at Creekside? Because at the end of the day, my hope, my dream, my, my prayer is this, that at Creekside, everyone would feel at home. One of the things that will happen when you come over to my home, and I kind of assume that if I came over to your home, we would probably share some food and maybe a drink together. And the same is true when you come to God's house. Oftentimes when you go over to someone's home, they'll offer you a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, and they'll say, hey, would you like some biscuits with that? Or can I get you some cheese and crackers or something? When we come into God's house... God actually provides a meal for us that reminds us of the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made so that all of us could have a home when it comes to our Heavenly Father. In fact, in the very beginning, when Jesus was leading his first followers, right before he went to the cross, he sat them down and they had a meal together. And he said, here is some bread and here is some wine. Every time you get together, I want you to share a meal together. I want you to break bread, and I want you to take some wine, and I want you to remind yourselves of the incredible sacrifice that I have made so that you could have a home with your heavenly Father. Jesus said, every time you get together, I want this bread and I want this wine to be a reminder to you of the incredible sacrifice that my son made so that you could feel at home with your Heavenly Father. In just a moment, we're actually going to share that meal that Jesus 
invited his followers to share the night before he passed away on the cross. And so in just a moment, I'm going to have our team, they're going to pass through some bread and some, some wine. And as we take this this morning, my prayer, my hope is that as you take it, it will be a reminder to you of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you so that you could feel at home with your heavenly father. And maybe this morning, you don't feel at home with God. Maybe you don't feel at home here at church. Maybe this is all foreign to you, but you want to feel at home with your heavenly father. Jesus made it so simple to be in a relationship with him. Jesus made it so easy for us to enter into God's household as Paul described it, described it to become a member of God's household. He made it so simple for us. And so this morning, if you want to be a part of that family, if you want to feel at home with your heavenly father, as this bread and as this juice is coming by, which are just symbols that remind us of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, here's what I want to invite you to do. As you take that bread and as you take that cup, these two symbols of what Jesus did for us so that we could feel at home with our Heavenly Father, I want to invite you to just pray and say, God, I want to be a part of your family. God, thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made so I could feel at home with my Heavenly Father. And then I want to invite you to participate in what we're going to do as we take communion together in just a moment. Maybe this is your first time ever doing that, I want to invite you to take that and become a part of what God's family is all about. For those of us that have been following Jesus for a long time, my prayer is that this would be a reminder of the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made so that we can feel at home with our Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the reminder today that although the church has struggled ever since the beginning with this idea of people not feeling at home, God, thank you that you made a way for all of us to feel at home, not just at church, but more importantly, with our Heavenly Father. God, I thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf so that we could feel at home with our Heavenly Father. God, I pray for anybody that's here this morning that's never made the decision to follow you with their life. God, I pray that they might make that decision even today while we celebrate communion. God, I pray for those of us that have been following you for a long period of time. Would you use this moment, would you use this time to remind us afresh of what it was like before we started following you and the incredible joy that it is to follow you now. We pray this in Jesus' precious name.